Welcome to Compassionate Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program. We take a look at the world and find what God's up to. Welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. It's good to be here. We've had a lot of different kinds of stories over the past year that we've done this series, and we intend to keep going with this as long as there is stuff happening in the news. I think we can probably find a way to <laughs> have something so. to say. Yes, I think there's plenty of things happening in the world that we can highlight and focus on what God is doing in these places. We're not so much concerned about just our feelings. I am very much concerned with what God himself is up to and how he brings the scripture to life. Well, as people of the kingdom, we should be saturated in what God is doing and what God wants to do. Agreed. So that would naturally then bring to mind scriptures, I would hope, that would enlighten us even to God's work and God's hand in and around things that don't seem to be God-ordained, if you will. I believe that God is in all that we do and see and say, but I, you know, there are things happening in the world that look really bad. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that God is not ordained to what he does by circumstances, but that they often point us to the thing that God has ordained for us to see, mm-hmm. to experience, mm-hmm. to confess, and to experience about him. And today's story is one that comes out of the annals of what happened in Turkey at the end of that massive earthquake, probably the biggest one in a century or more for that country. We know that in the country of Turkey alone, there was more than 50,000 people that are known to have died. Mm -hmm. They're still digging through the rubble, and I'm sure there are more remains that are coming, but they gave up counting after a while. Mm -hmm. It is in the demolishing and reconstructing phase, and the next few years will be spent rebuilding that country literally. Mm -hmm. And there there are almost 9,000 people that are known to have died in Syria. A vast majority of those who died were in derelict buildings that had been damaged by war, and they were already displaced persons from the war. So it's like an entire refugee camp collapsing on Mm -hmm. itself and killing the people that were seeking safety there. It is a tragedy upon tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. And yet there was those bright moments where God seemed to shine a light of favor on certain people for some reason. It seemed like that. We don't know all the circumstances or what's going through God's heart through all this, but we do see these stories. And this story is one of those. This story to me is an absolute miracle. Mm. There's no other way to frame it, in my opinion. This story began with tragedy, obviously, with the earthquake itself. But to add to that horrific episode, this baby was found in the rubble, had been there for 128 hours. That's five days. Yeah. Yeah, so five days in the rubble with no nourishment, no mother, Nothing. No. They take this baby, rush her to the hospital, give her life-saving measures, bandaging her up, the whole gamut. And no one knows who she is. So they give her a special name. The nurses began to call her Gizem. She survived this horrific episode, and so many didn't. And there's nobody there to claim her. So I guess the assumption had been, with everybody involved, that... The family, the parents especially, had not survived. They couldn't find anyone alive right around her general area. There were some young children there also that were dead, presumably her siblings. That was it, because the building was so destroyed that they couldn't tell what room went to which apartment and which house and those kind of things because everything was piled together. These buildings are made of inferior concrete, and Mm -hmm. they've had a lot of problems they've discovered about people skirting the laws about reinforcing the buildings. So this concrete was weak. If you think about multi-story towers collapsing on each other, and by the time they hit the ground, they're dust. Mm -hmm. Someone could have fallen off the other side of the building, for all they know. Right. 
Everywhere they looked was death except for this one miracle. And yet there was another miracle going on in the background that no one knew about until weeks later. 54 days later. And then what happened? Yasmin Bagdas was taken to a hospital. She survived this earthquake. She was dug out of the rubble, unconscious, Mm. but alive. Taken to the hospital. Extraordinary measures were taken to save her life. And she survived, but she was not awake. So in a coma for a long time. Yes. So when she came around, she was looking Mm. for her children, her husband, and was informed they were all killed. On the other side of town in this other hospital is baby Dizem, this miracle. And they're trying to find family members. So they begin to do DNA testing on the baby. And they did this on several children that were found in the rubble alone. So they're trying to find extended family. Some DNA detective work here. And this is stuff that's not happening the day after the earthquake. I mean, these technologies were being brought in by many other governments to try to help with identifying the dead, reunify families. Mm -hmm. That was a kind of a secondary thing that was thought of as they started bringing in this technology. And Gizem was definitely one of those kids that needed to find a way home to somebody. Right. The name Gizem means mystery. And so this child's identity is a mystery. Mm-hmm. So rather than take her into the social services system within Turkey, which was a shambles at this time mm-hmm. as well, they're trying to find family members somewhere around the country, hopefully, but around the world as well. So they're asking people to please give us samples of your DNA, survivors, so that we can put to families cousins together. Things, yeah. Cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, brothers, sisters, whomever it would be, so that the trauma is hopefully lessened a bit. And thought comes to my mind that one of the things you don't expect in a national tragedy like this is that the very definition of what your family is is going to radically change for millions of people because mm-hmm. what you thought was your family may not be anymore. Mm-hmm. You may be a sole survivor. Now you have to be raised around with people that you've maybe never met or know, know very well. Mm-hmm. Everything about your identity is at stake here. And these doctors and nurses are doing their very best to get someone as close as possible to a nuclear family that would take them in without reservation. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't want babies to go to places where they don't really care about them or they're overwhelmed with their own needs. You want people that are already motivated to love you. Mm -hmm. Well, we did a story earlier about a five-year-old boy that survived this earthquake and his parents were killed. It was a family member of one of our daughter's dear friends. Mm -hmm. That was a beautiful situation, best case scenario, because the grandparents were right there and were able to take this boy in. This little gal, Mystery, was just that, a mystery. They had no idea how to find any family members of hers. So fast forward to Yasmin in another hospital. They're taking her DNA as well. And there's a match with this mystery baby who was taken to a hospital miles and miles away. The mother was airlifted out mm. of the area that they were in. I imagine if she did wake up, though, that she'd probably be calling for the names of her children. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, nobody knew the names of the children. So she is probably finding out through this process that most of her family is likely presumed dead. Mm-hmm. Until that flicker of hope comes through that one of her children has survived. Yeah. So when the match was made for the DNA test, the government then jumped on this right away, obviously as a beautiful miracle story. And they were running out of miracles at that point. Yeah. Most people they were finding were no longer able to survive. And if they were alive, they didn't last very long. Someone donated their time in a private plane to fly Little Mystery to a southern province of Turkey, which was more stable and safe where the mother had been taken, and handed this baby over to her mom, Yasmin. 
In the podcast section of our website, we've posted that link to the article, which has that picture. Mm -hmm. This little gal's name is Vitem. And when they discovered that her name was Vitem, there's an irony here. Because the name in Turkish, it means I die. Mm -hmm. Which is a really interesting backstory there somewhere. People choose names for their children based on something. So perhaps there was a near-death experience in having the child. Perhaps it is hearkening back to somebody else in their family that they were remembering. Who knows what the backstory is from our perspective? But the irony for me is that a name like that speaks to something sorrowful mm -hmm. that preceded it. Yeah, Like the whole story of the prayer of Jabez. Jabez talks about, you know, Lord, expand my territories, my tents, that I may be a blessing to others. And his name meant born in pain. Mm -hmm that my mother's pain would not be so great, that as you bless me, Lord, it would overcome the pain of the past. That's a really interesting story that's in the Bible, and I'm sure that the story of a team is like that. Yeah. So God chose to give life where someone was remembering death. Mm, and her mother good. now has her daughter back. Mm -hmm. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160. Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. So God chose to give life where someone was remembering death. Mm, and her mother good. now has her daughter back. Mm -hmm. So what do you make of this story? This to me is one of those unfathomable miracles. Mm. Things that you just don't see a way that this is going to come out good. You know, yeah. when I first read about all of these children that were left orphans, all yeah. of these children that were found in the rubble of these buildings that collapsed, it just broke my heart. As a mom, yeah. I wanted to just gather them all in and take them in and take care of them and love on them and make sure they felt safe and soothe them as they were crying. It's one of those things that you think, this is overwhelming. There's nothing I can do about mm. this physically. Yes, a prayer is always an option, but there's really nothing that I can do to alleviate the suffering of these people. Well, let me challenge that thought then, because many people say, at least I can pray. I don't know if I can do anything. It's the least I can do. People will say things like that. Yeah, and the people assume that prayer has no real power. It's just a way of kind of venting emotionally. And if our heart is set on the idea that prayers are ineffective, or that they're not going to do anything, then we kind of toss them in there as a palliative. 
But the scriptures, especially the New Testament, say, no, prayer is literally tapping into the power of the living God. So if I want to choose a scripture that kind of anchors us on this particular story, I'm going to go with 1 Thessalonians Mm -hmm. 5.17. And we often hear that as pray continually or never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray unceasingly. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. There's so many different ways of translating that one word in Greek Mm -hmm. to English. But the point is that if you're going to pray, pray as if you expect something to happen. I guarantee you, as soon as this mother was awake, her whole soul is praying for an answer. Well, even while she's asleep, possibly. Quite possibly. If she's in a coma, I mean... There's plenty of stories about comas where people are cognizant in that place of in-betweenness and speak the truth. They speak with passion where they are while they wait. Mm. Now, this mother's story is not without its miracles, but it's also not without its tragedy. She has lost many of her family. And then the irony of the child she named I Die has come back to life. Mm -hmm. That child is literally resurrected to her. And she has a resurrected hope, I would say. That's beautiful. But there's still a huge amount of grief. There's a lot of people that were not given back to her. So there's going to be a, not just a memory, but a living death and those things that you'll have to not just cope with, but process for her entire lifetime. Yeah, yeah. As is the nation of Turkey and Syria from that earthquake. These are big, fundamental, and existential issues that will carry with us for eternity. And for those who go through those kind of tragedies, yes, there was a miracle. But yes, there is great reason for grief. And we don't want to not mix those things here and say they're separate. They are absolutely together in this person's life. Mm-hmm. And in Vatim's future, her name means I die. And yet she lives. Mm. And I think this is like the story of Lazarus. And then Jesus himself says language like that, even though I die, yet I live. Paul repeats these kind of themes and saying, even though I die, I live in Christ. I've been brought to real life. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of tragedies I think we could all face. We can name all kinds of scenarios. We've seen many examples in the past few years of different kinds of tragedies that have led to death that were unexpected. Death is always to be expected, but it's never to be expected when it happens. Right. You know? Right. The only ones that seem to come close to expecting it and it coinciding with our expectations are probably a disease like cancer where you can see the end coming, encroaching methodically. But we still have this thing that rises up in us that says, no, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not what was supposed to be. We can say that a whole lot more passionately about those who get taken away from us in disasters like these earthquakes or car accidents or something tremendously disrupting Mm -hmm. in life. And David prayed this way about a son who was condemned because of his sin, it seems. He was informed by the prophet Nathan that the child that he had conceived with Bathsheba, tearing her away from her husband and their family, having killed her husband, was not going to survive this, that he was going to die. Everything about that story is total tragedy on all fronts. And it makes God look to be vindictive almost. And it's hard to read. And yet... Nathan was correct on the facts. What it means and how you're going to respond to that was something everyone would have to process. And they still do when they read that scripture. David, in the story, chose to worship God in his own judgment. He knew that he had done wrong and had been called out on it. And he pleaded with God that he would not visit death upon his child because of his sin. It never says whether or not he ever resolved that in his mind or had to live with the uncertainty the rest of his life. But he laid himself on the altar and prayed unceasingly until he received a final answer. 
And then the final answer came, and everyone who knew David thought, this is going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Your own king has been on his face, weeping before God for days. How do you go tell him the child's dead now and expect him to be able to get up? And yet David mystifies them. Here's another mystery. Gets up and washes himself, cleans up, and goes to the house of the Lord and worships God, proclaiming him to be sovereign. And that mystified all the people around him. How can a guy go from that depth of despair to exaltation in front of God saying, you know what's best, God? I don't get it myself either, except there's something in the heart of David where he knew that once he was corrected, once he was beyond the punishment, once he had accepted responsibility, something about him just responded with a gratitude to God that God was good and I don't understand everything he does, and yet I will worship him. That to me is a profound discernment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people never get there. They remain in bitterness. I'm not saying that people who are hurting or grieving should be suddenly switching a lamp on and becoming joyous. I do believe, though, that God has something deeper and better for us than to be remaining in that place of desperation and hopelessness. I do believe there's something beyond that. There was hopelessness all over the story in Turkey. There was hopelessness for this child who was a mystery. There was hopelessness for that mother who thought she had lost everything. And then God, in her situation, brought back around one of her family and gave her back to her. That is unfathomable to me and a mystery in itself. And yet they have each other. I will call that a miracle. Yeah. And that people that go through great tragedy, whether it's brought upon themselves by their own actions or by others, like in the story of David, even his own sin, which caused great grief to other people, it did not destroy the slender thread between the heart of God and the heart of David. There was still something there that could pump a life back into him so he could resurrect. Mm. And I want to believe and live in the idea that resurrection power is right here, right now. And that for the family there in Turkey, that young woman, that young mother, Yasmin Bagdash, and her daughter, Vedim, it is a mystery how God works in these things. But I'm grateful that he brought those two back together. And if we could pray that way of gratitude to God, that he does provide miracles even in the severest of circumstances, and we can acknowledge him, I do believe it brings a solidness and a core to our heart back to life when we have to walk through disasters and crises with others. And maybe we're going through those kind of crises ourselves. If we're facing those directly right now, I would say our prayer as a ministry for you, friends, is that whatever you face right now, that the calling out to God would be something that's genuine and from your heart, and your prayers would be unceasingly persistent to demand of God that he answer Not necessarily that he's going to give you everything you want, but that he will establish his presence and help you through whatever it is. That's our prayer. So friends, as you're contemplating things like tragedy and grief, miracles and resurrection, Mm -hmm. I invite you to talk back to us. Send us a message if you have some thoughts on this issue, Mm -hmm. because there's not a clean cut way to end this particular program other than to say that we face some tragedies ourselves in life and we know that there are difficulties that we'll all go through. And your story matters to us. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to let us know by a letter or a response on our website through our web form there that God's moving in your life and this is how he's shown up or this is kind of struggle you're going through right now yourself. We want to know and pray for you. It would be a genuine opportunity and honor for us to participate in your life that way. I know it is often possible for us to get discouraged and even become angry that God is not answering prayer like we want him to and things aren't going our way. I just would encourage our listeners to not give up on praying. Mm. Don't give up. 
even in a time when you feel like it's bouncing off the ceiling, it's coming back empty, I'm not getting a response. All of these things that we so often feel when we pray. We've had situations in our own lives where God did not answer the way we wanted him to answer. Yet, believing and trusting that God is holding us in that outcome. I'm not going to say it was God's will for dot, 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 for this to happen or that to happen, but that in the tragedies, God holds us. And I believe very, very much in the depths of my being that in this tragedy, God is holding this mom and her little girl because they have to start over. They have to start anew. And in some cultures, and Turkey is one of these places, that the women struggle with being able to provide for their families. So if we've reminded you by bringing this story to light to pray, do that. Pray. Pray for Yasmi. Pray for Vitem. Pray for others who you don't know their names, that they will know and believe somehow that God is holding them. This resurrection of the nation of Turkey through all of this is a difficult and complex process, but I do believe that God is going to use us in a way to bring the gospel back into the places where it's been shunned for a very long time. Because there are so many faithful servants who love Jesus that are there right now yes. helping. And those relationships are what brings the gospel close. It's not about the preaching. It's about the living and loving. The whole world is pouring itself into the people of Turkey right now because of this tragedy. And that, to me, means a possibility of hope, mm-hmm. especially for the church and the gospel there. So... That's our Compassion Radio 360 for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Monday for the next Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. He always does me. Oh, yes, he does. Through mountains and valleys. Mountains and valleys. Ooh. Joy is Come on. Your spirit.
Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.